Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I'm always looking to bring in brilliant people because uh, we have a lot to suss out in this first hour. Uh, there's stuff going on. I was like, let me, let me let me reach out. Let me reach out. I haven't had her on. Senior editor, law and policy at Rewire News Group. She's also the co-host of Boom Lawyered, the real racist. And uh, she's out there in the streets uh, gathering folk up on Twitter. Let me welcome Amani Gandhi, better known as the angry black lady. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, let me let me deal with the angry black lady. Um, I just did yeah. this uh, thing for a group of uh, students, uh, grad students in Maryland. They they interviewed me about the angry black woman trope and and they they were talking about the Karens. But I will not let anyone refer to my name as a white lady uh, person ever. She's going to be Jenny <laughs> on the Karen Hunter show. Her name is Jenny and it starts with a G. White women going wild. <laughs> Their name is Jenny. That just seems appropriate to me because Karen sure. put raisins in a potato salad, which is egregious, but it's not an insurrection. <laughs> when you selected your, your name on Twitter, were you leaning into the trope? Actually, when I selected my name, it was for a, um, a blog that I was doing before I even joined Twitter. And I started it because I have a pituitary tumor which is like a, it's a benign brain tumor okay. that messes with my hormones. And so when I first was diagnosed before my hormones were regulated, I used to have these rage storms where I would get really mad at really benign stuff, like a, a suitcase that wouldn't close if I was trying to get to the airport. I did. I punched a suitcase once. Um, so I just sort of leaned into So I, that was my angry black lady chronicles. That's how that started. And then once I became a little bit more political act, politically active, um, particularly in the repro space. Yeah, I started to lean into the the trope and just sort of, I enjoy playing around with that. I enjoy playing with people anyway, because I have an interesting background. My mom is white and Jewish. My dad is black and Catholic. So I like to, I like to mess with people's heads. <laughs> Let's pause there. Cause I'm getting to know you. All right. I don't see any white Jewish in you. Well, I'm, I'm adopted too. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, there we go. Because I'm like, I know what that looks like. That's Tracy Ellis Ross. That's uh, you know, like I'm, oh, yeah, I'm going no, down the I'm list adopted. of people. Maya Rudolph. Uh, that's you know who's got a lot of the J- Jewish part of it. Many people don't even know her mom's Minnie Ripperton. But so okay, so how did a Jewish woman and a black man adopt Amani Gandhi? Uh, they met in the late '60s at a rally you know, at a demonstration and fell in love at a time. I mean, they got married the year Loving Be Virginia came down. So, I mean, this is like, you know, black and white, black and white folks getting married. They, they were in the Northeast in Philly. So it wasn't like they were in the deep South or anything, but you know, people like to think the North isn't racist and it is. So, um, and then they adopted me, spent some time in Tanzania, then adopted me, decided they liked the name Imani. It's the seventh day of Kwanzaa, means faith in Swahili. And my mom is about as woke a white woman as there can be, even though I despise that word now because it's been bastardized by the right. But she spent a lot of time making by hand black dolls for me so that I wouldn't only have to play with white dolls. She was a children's book author, a publisher for a while. So she would make it a point to write children, publish children's books featuring children of color. She had a West African woman learn how to do my hair. <laughs> like, I was going to ask about the hair because that she seems ha- to be the most traumatizing. She learned how to do threading. So I used to have my hair threaded. Yeah. I mean, my mom's great. My mom's great. She's coming tomorrow. So it's even better. Oh, okay. Did she, you know, because I, you know, race in this country, 
I was just talking with Jeffrey Robinson again. Um, we're we're going to air this interview that I did with him. And he's the, of course, creator of uh, Who We Are, the documentary. And, you know, this this notion of race, which is a made up construct and particularly the the, um, you know, the Jewish community, which to me, they play double Dutch with whiteness. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or America or the world plays double Dutch with whiteness with them. And then yeah, they seem to have that's... a, sh- they have a short memory. I'm like, y'all don't just remember that they sent you back when, when you weren't white. Like, so, but you still playing with y'all with playing the games with the people who don't, will see you as not white when they finish with the other people. Like I, yeah, I, I, I never I mean, get that. I mean, my mom is, but is not, she would say that she's a reformed Jew. I mean, she is not particularly um, devout or religious and she certainly, um, she's not a Zionist by any stretch. And I think actually, <laughs> I think she actually stopped talking to one of uh, her relatives who became a Zionist later in life because she's I mean, she believes in justice. She believes in rights. She believes in racial justice, reproductive justice. She believes in, you know, justice for working people. Her father, um, actually, this is a podcast that just recently came out. Her father, my grandfather, was a teacher in the Philadelphia school district and was fired during the McCarthy era for not naming names. And his case went all the way up to the Supreme Court consolidated with some other cases from, with some teachers who refused to name names. He was called before the, the House on american Ac- wow. uh, Activities Committee and all of that. So there's a, there's a long history of social justice in my family. Um, and my mom grew up poor because of it. So she has a really strong sense of justice. Did, did that inspire you to get into the law? Um, I got into the law. I mean, to be, if to my, my mom would tell you that probably her biggest disappointment in me was when I decided to go to law school and her proudest day was when I quit and decided to do reproductive rights because I spent 13 years doing nonsense corporate work for banks and insurance companies. And she was just like, come, you know, real. I mean, she never said it at the time. She just let me forge my own path. But when I you know, started doing what I do now, she was like, thank you. I'm so glad you made this path because, you know, she didn't want, she, she knew that I hadn't talents that would be better served helping people rather than trying to help people make more money and push money around in contracts and such. So, well, well, we're also glad that you're in this space. Um, last Friday, uh, we already knew this was happening cause they leaked it. And then they were like, who leaked it? You leaked it. You leaked it. Supreme <laughs> court. You leaked it. Y'all leaked it so that we could get used to the idea that this was going to happen. And then there's like been these rounds of videos of people like Susan Collins, like they lied to me. I didn't realize. And Joe Manchin, I think I didn't realize. And then there's the the litany of audio. Well, it's the stated law. It's law. We we are. I'm not going to overturn it. Everyone from Clarence Thomas all the way through the current batch of uh, decrepit uh, miscreant lawyers that are now in the Supreme Court. And I'm putting up air quotes because one of them didn't even try a single case. I don't even know how her unqualified ass got on the court. And I'm not talking about <laughs> Katanji Brown Jackson, who oh, is no, the, most qualified, the most qualified, the most qualified. So as a person that's been in this space for as long as you've been in this space, Amani Gandhi is with us. Angry black lady on the Twitters. Were you surprised? Did you see it coming? And then what? comes next what's going on oh, i wasn't next? surprised at all i mean it's been coming i knew it was coming for as soon as the court took the case in may of 2021 i my i knew it was coming my partner and co-host um jessica mason piclo knew it was coming so what we tried to do is just prepare our listeners people who listen to boom lawyered for what was coming so everyone who listened to our podcast knew it was coming as well and a lot of other people too and now that my thing was i just wanted to get on the other side of it 
because it's just, it's stressful just walking around with this sort of Damocles hanging over your head. You know, it's coming in every opinion day. It's just this pit in your stomach. And, you know, even though they leaked it a month early, that didn't really lessen the gut punch for me. It was still a pretty big sucker punch to just read in print that the Supreme Court thinks that women and people who can become pregnant just aren't equal citizens. You know, whatever, the co- if we get pregnant, the contents of our womb belongs to the state and they get to determine what we get to do with our bodies. Seeing that written down was a really big gut punch, particularly reading Clarence, Clarence Thomas's opinion and the way, you know, he kind of split from the rest of the justices. The rest of the justices, Alito was saying, you know, this isn't going to affect any other rights, any of the associated rights like contraception, same-sex marriage. And then Clarence Thomas came in and was like, wait, 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 no, no, we absolutely are coming for those things. And I need someone to bring me a case. So you can expect that there's going to be a case challenging same-sex marriage, I think, probably either next term, not next term, the term after. What, so 20- what, would, that, what would that look like? It like- would look like a case. I think the case is probably going to come out of Texas. Um, Ken Paxton actually just recently asked the Supreme Court of Texas for an advisory opinion as to whether or not Obergefell was good law in Texas, because we see that these people are starting to pick and choose these Republican conservative Christian evangelicals are starting to pick and choose which constitutional rights they like and which constitutional rights they are going to deign to provide to other people. I mean, I've heard people actually say, um, conservatives actually say, if you want to know what your rights are, look in the constitution. And that's just, that's just bonkers. That's, it's an insane thing to say that you don't have any rights except for what some people gave you several hundred years ago. There when, are such things with- as human rights and natural rights. And certainly the people who were making up the rights that they were going to give to people weren't thinking about you or me. They weren't thinking about black women. They weren't oh, thinking no, about no, no. white women uh, no, at no, all. No. They weren't thinking about it, any women. And Monty, they were thinking about us. They were thinking about <laughs> uh, raping us. The we yeah, they were thinking about to. raping us and making more, uh, more commodity, more, more chattel. More, yeah, more, exactly. Yes, exactly. More, more so money. This, this, yes, yes. So this idea that you know we're supposed to pay attention to these, you know, Ellen Mistal from of the Nation. All you know, he wrote this book where he calls the Constitution trash, and I just found reading that book so freeing because. The Constitution really is trash. It's this old document written by a bunch of slavers who thought women were property, who thought even white men who didn't own property weren't worth having a word in the government. And Black people, we didn't exist. Indigenous people, they were to be stamped out. So no, I refuse to get my cue on what rights I have from this old document. I absolutely refuse. And yet, here we are, because what what recourse do we have? And that's the, the question I, I, I keep swirling in my head like what's our response to this yes vote vote in 2022 in november change the congress make sure more senators are democrats it's strategy you don't have to like democrats but you should vote in november and then 2024 i'm like 100 million people sat out in 2016 and then more people showed up for trump in 2020 i don't know what to and they're blaming Biden for everything and I'm like, I, the, the propaganda mill is powerful. Yeah. I mean, what's frustrating about Biden for me is that I have consistently praised him when it comes to his judicial nominations. Kentucky Brown Jackson alone is enough to cement his legacy in history. But I think Biden has an opportunity to be a truly transformative president, given the, the, given the history that we're in, the moment in history that we are in. He really, especially, you know, when he took office in 2020 or 2021, I really had hopes that he would sort of dig deep and become this 
this more justice-oriented FDR figure, right? Because FDR didn't really have a lot of Black people in mind. But I just, I had these hopes. And just, you know, it's just very frustrating to, to have seen up until yesterday when he decided, okay, yeah, we're going to do a carve-out for abortion rights and the filibuster. But it took people yelling at him for five days for him to get to that point. And so I think that Biden has an opportunity to really do something. If he were to come out and say, you know what? This, the federal bench as it stands right now, is it, it's not working. It's corrupt, it's rogue, and we need to expand it. And fine, if he wants to do his bipartisanship thing and work with Republicans in a way to expand the court, in a way that gives them more seats, but gives us a couple more because of Merrick Garland, then I'm all for that. But this idea that we can't even begin to have that conversation because Joe Biden is such an establishment guy. He's been in politics in Washington for so long. I just don't think that he can consider conceive of doing something outside of the box like that, like getting up on the podium every day and talking about how corrupt this court is and not in a sort of mealy mouth, oh, this court just took away the right to choose and blah, 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 but really forcefully talking about this Supreme Court term and the damage that this federalist society, this dark money group captured court has done, right? The court has made it easier for cops to get away with beating people up. The court has said that um, border patrol agents have have the have the right to enter your home without a warrant if you live within 100 miles of any coastal or coastal or inland border the court has overturned reproductive rights the court has brought school prayer the court has said that now taxpayers have to fund religious schools all of the, these this chipping away at equal protection measures and the first amendment is really alarming we are in a crisis Every legal scholar that you talk to who is not conservative would tell you that we are in a crisis. Now is the time for Biden to really step up and take this court on. It cannot be that these six unelected officials have now more power than both the executive and the legislative branches. Amani Gandhi is here. Uh, thank you for coming in again. I think I did. Uh, and, and her dog. And her dog. Yeah, dog is who, who is that? Who is that? That's Dexter. Dexter, right, quiet. We're live. We're live on the air, Dexter. And we got to talk to your mom about the things that are happening in the world. So I wanted I wanted to share this. Um, Dexter's like, I will not be silenced. Like, I am not. Be, yes, I will not, I will be, not be silenced. I want to be involved in this. And every being should be involved in the future of this country, including Dexter. Uh, 866-801-8255. I want to share a, um, a Twitter thread. Uh, that came up on my timeline last night. It's uh, James Harrison, whose handle is Jim E. Harris Jr. I don't know who he is, but he's a former FBI. I'm going to actually, let me look at his uh, former FBI agent, ex-IBMer, engineer, and scientist. And his thread was so compelling that I want to read it. He said, I've seen a lot of why bother to vote posts from supposed Democrats. And as someone who has voted for both parties, though overall for more R's than D's in my misspent youth, let me give you that swing voter perspective. In reality, Dems are, are not a party. That's why they lose. He says, registered Democrats outnumber Republicans by a wide margin. I mean, a wide margin, about 13 million. But they are not a party. And they're a loose coalition. He said Democrats love to define themselves by their differences. Republicans, on the other hand, are a single-minded unified as or as single-mindedly unified as the Borg. They define themselves exclusively by their commonalities, which are actually few, 
Most Republicans don't own guns and are fine with abortion, and they don't love, love TFG. But they despise Democrats more than they like each other, dislike each other. And they tend to be hyper competitive, to lack empathy, <laughs> and to fear change like a mofo. They are uniquely unified by their desire to keep things, quote, like they've always been. Meanwhile, Democrats give each other liberal purity tests, shame each other and the moderate Republicans they should be negotiating with, and most importantly, don't vote. Most Republicans I know held their noses to vote for Trump the first time around and the second, but they did it. They did it because they were so close to reaching the final goal and they got there, not because they had the numbers, but because Democrats did not show up. And for decades, the Republicans played the long game, gerrymandering their districts, winning local elections and packing the Supreme Court. This is James Harris, Jim E. Harris Jr. on Twitter. He said, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are fully aware that Trump is an idiot so uh, psychopath. They've said so themselves, but those last few seats on the court gave them the shot to make, to make sure they have minority rule forever and y'all let them win. The same people who are telling you now there's no point in voting because they haven't gotten the things that they wanted are the same people who didn't vote for their own party for Congress in Obama's second term and who didn't show up for Hillary Rotten Clinton in 2016. And the same people who didn't vote who didn't bother to vote for a congressional candidate when voting for Joe Biden. Republicans know the executive branch is useless without the Senate and the court. So they've made certain that they're always competitive. Sure, you can try to blame the GOP and the Russians and the dirty tricks, but Trump didn't win in 2016 and sealed the courts for the Republicans because he energized their base. That's bullcrap. He used the whole word. The racist white people y'all think are the base had a different name 30 years ago. They were called Dixiecrats. The shrinking Republican base is rich, educated, white dudes. MAGA people are the cannon fodder that the right uses to stir you up and get you to call them smooth-brained Nazis, thus perpetuating their narrative that you're elitists and woke snobs. Truth is, Trump won in 2016 because many of you didn't vote at all because your favorite candidate didn't win the primary. So you either stayed home or you voted for Jill Stein. They Ralph Nadered your asses again and you let them. And the Democrats apparently need heroic sponsors like Stacey Abrams to even bother showing up. So, yeah, Joe Milktoast Biden is super cautious about maintaining a coalition because he can probably count on converted moderates in the Lincoln Project more than the loudest of his own party. Republicans are playing 3D chess, and you're playing pin the tail on the donkey. Close enough? What did I win? And if you listen to the whining folks telling you not to bother voting, you can look forward to a lifetime of rule by the minority party. And I mean lifetime. They're going to gerrymander every district, roll back every right Yes, and scuttle your voting rights and their religious zealot judges will uphold every single outrageous move. You terrify them. You terrify them because your numbers are growing and you don't look or sound like them and because you won't just shut up and act like you know your place. Their backs are against the wall. And so while you lob softballs, they lob grenades. So if you're okay with the USA becoming a single party, single religion, nationalistic dystopian Gilead, or I will add Karen Hunter, Octavia Butler's Earthseed. Mm -hmm. If the end of the Bill of Rights, aside from, of course, 2A, 
which is the right to bear arms, is fine with you, then sure, don't bother voting. In a few years, you probably won't be able to anyhow. I mean, this, I have to say, I agree on. with emotion. Wait, hold on. Let's get, let's get this man his love. Jim E. Harris <laughs> Jr., I'm inviting you on the show publicly, sir. Amani Gandhi is here. Go ahead, say your say. I agree with most of that. I would just like to make space for the people, because it seems to me there's so much, there's this division on Twitter between people who are like, rah, rah, quote unquote, blue, no matter who. And then there are people who are like, oh, voting is pointless. We never get everything that we want, blah, blah, blah. I'm in the middle of that. I will always vote and I will never encourage someone not to vote. But I also think that once you vote for someone, your job is not over. Your job is to hold the people. And I'm sure, and I know you agree, your job is to hold people accountable. And what I'm seeing a lot is not that. I'm seeing a lot of people like if you want to go after the people who are on Twitter spelt like voting doesn't matter if they're using their platform for that. Yeah, I think that they deserve to be they deserve to be asked questions about that. But what I don't like to see is people who are who will literally preface a statement on Twitter. I always vote. I will never not vote, comma, but and then they'll criticize Biden and think and talk in ways that they think that Biden could be doing better. And they will get immediately swarmed by people who think that the mildest criticism of Biden is somehow suppressing votes. And I think that people are smarter than that. I think that people who are reading my Twitter and seeing me upset that Joe Biden has nominated an anti-abortion judge to a district court in Kentucky. Say what now? I think that they- Wait, wait, pause. Joe Biden is in talks with McConnell to nominate an anti-abortion judge to a U.S. district court in Kentucky. Why? Why would he do that? Why? I wish I knew. But a reporter, you know, came out with this yesterday. A reporter at the Courier Journal, which is a Pulitzer Prize winning paper. The journalist himself won a Pulitzer. That's the paper that broke all of the Breonna Taylor news. Right. He comes out with this story in the paper and immediately you get so many people who are harassing him and yelling at him and telling him that it's fake news and that it's a lie and that there's not even any vacancies on the court in Kentucky. So where are you getting your information? The information was confirmed by a congressperson in Kentucky, by Governor Bashir, and people today are still yelling about it. So I just really think that there needs to be a space for people who will vote for Democrats, even if they're doing it holding their nose because of harm reduction. And I really do believe in harm reduction. I think there's a space for people like us who also feel like it is important to yell at the president to make him do what we want him to do. And if yelling at the president from now until whatever this appointment, this this district court appointment is going to happen. If that makes him not make that appointment, then I think that we've done our job, our civic job. I agree. And with I, that. there are people who disagree with me. They think that it's more. Of, well, what do you expect him to do? Oh, why don't you just let, wait, wait until he actually nominates the person? I'm like, no, you don't wait until then, because by then it's too late. Well, you let have me, to let me ask you this. Well, you know, I agree with you. But what if that deal gets McConnell on them to lift the filibuster, which he was badgered into doing. It's not going to though. So, cause we you don't this. trust, you don't trust these motherfuckers to do. Snake. Yeah. Cause they are liars. Right. They and then, let me liars. just say that you're absolutely correct. <laughs> let me say this, but then we always go for the, uh, it's like Lucy with the football. It's you know, Lucy she's going with the freaking football. She, she's going to every move. time. Yes. Yes. And we go for and it. It's just, and what's really frustrating about this district, this not nomination process is that usually there's this process known as the blue slip process. So when the president nominates a person for the federal bench, the senators from that state can submit a blue slip 
basically saying yay or nay. Yes, we like this person. No, we don't like this person. The blue slip process was just eradicated during the Trump years. McConnell wasn't paying attention to nobody, right? When Biden took power again, Dick Durbin said, okay, we're, we're not gonna, we're gonna keep not doing the blue slip process for circuit court judges, but we're gonna bring it back for district court judges. And so that's the problem, is this, this incessant need for Democrats to uphold these institutional norms. There's nothing in the constitution that mentions blue slip processes. There's no reason that the Republicans, after having, after having refused to go by this blue slip process, that the Democrats should revive it. There's no reason for that, but that's what they've done. And so I would love to see Democrats really stop trying to be so reasonable with a party of unreasonable liars. That goes Mitch McConnell that- is never going to adhere to any deal that he makes with Biden. Never, ever, ever. He was on the phone the day Ruth Bader Ginsburg died trying to get Amy Coney Barrett like nominated. This is not a man that any Democrat should be working with in good faith. I agree. I agree. Joe Biden, uh, to me is out of touch, but I will say this, uh, about Jim E. Harris, Jr. Uh, James Harris's thread. He's a white man. And the problem that the democratic party has is that it's still catering to, um, I'm not even going to say not its base, but they're still under this notion that somehow they can appeal to white America to be reasonable. And 53% of white women already told us, here's our ass to kiss. We're going to always vote our interests, which are our husbands and our sons. And we don't give a damn about what it looks like. And we're going to say one thing in the polls. And then we're going to go in there and pull a lever for the, whoever has an R next to their name. And this is what he's saying in his thread. And he knows this about his people. We, Reasonable people, and it's not racial for me, but at this point, it is. Republicans are the party of racism and destruction of all rights, period, full stop. It's real simple, and they're not hiding it anymore. They're saying white life out loud. They're saying the quiet part out loud. So it's incumbent upon us to not just show up, but show up in numbers that are ridiculous. We do not have the luxury to sit home, and we don't have the luxury to sit home for at least another 10 years. And at some point, and at the same time, to your point, Imani, everybody we elect, all right, you're in uh, the house, you got two years, you got a year to show and prove. Or we got a candidate or two or three waiting to take your seat. And every single one of these districts where it really matters, we need to have a game plan and strategy the way Stacey Abrams went out and and said, oh, you want to suppress vote? We're going to go register millions more people. So as you throw them off, we're going to bring them in and you can't discard everybody let's go and check your voter status and we're going to be vigilant about that but i think that he's not wrong though his thread was oh he's not spot on. he's not wrong and particularly when it comes i mean particularly when it comes to people who sit on twitter saying oh i'm not going to bother to vote or the people who were in 2016 literally writing articles saying that oh i'm not worried about donald trump or oh i'm not worried about the supreme court or stop vote shaming me and telling me i have to vote because of the supreme court because Democrats lost in 2016, pregnant people and women do not have the right to choose. That is a that's a direct line. If Hillary Clinton had won in 2016, we wouldn't have any of this, any of this mess. But instead, we are in a huge backlash cycle and it's going to last for 20, 10 or 20 years. And it's a real shame because I see the folks on Twitter who are making the most noise in 2016 about voting third party and they still haven't learned anything. They still well, haven't learned anything. They're, they're screaming about all of these issues that will get struck down by the Supreme Court in a heartbeat. And instead of focusing on expanding the courts, focusing on expanding voting rights, 
because we do need to vote in more Democrats. That's literally like the best way to fix this problem. But we've got people who are are discouraging people from voting. And then we have national Democrats who aren't energizing the base. Like Trump would go out there and say really bananas crap all of the time, just saying Think we're going to keep Muslims out of the country and Mexico is going to pay for the wall and all of this nonsense that we as 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 Democrats, left leftist liberals, what have you thought was bananas. But they ate it up. Why can't Biden do the same thing for his base? Right. Why can't he come out? Reparations. And say, reparations right, re- for black exactly. people. Just say well, it. We're going to get we're going to say we're going to send a check for five hundred thousand dollars to every black person in this country. Why can't he say that, even if it's not going to happen? I agree with you. <laughs> yes. Come on through, Biden. Lie like they do. You know, we're going to put abortion clinics in Yellowstone. We're going to yes. put abortion clinics at airports. Why can't he say that? Let them sue. Let them litigate. Imagine how fired up Democrats would be if Biden just went completely ham. Right? I would love to see it. It's not that I dislike Biden or I want him to fail. I actually want him to succeed. And it's frustrating watching him be milquetoast and watching him kind of force the black women around him to be equally milquetoast. When I I know Kamala Harris, who has done so much work on black maternal health, is not cool with these ridiculous sound bites she's been forced to give to CNN. There is no way that she is cool with a 33% increase in black maternal mortality. That's an increase after row. She's not cool with that. I know she's not. And I don't think Karen John Pierre is either. But this white man literally has these black women. They well, have to I mean, represent money, him. Though, so that's do they, frustrating. Do to they, me. though? At some point. They, uh, I mean, I'm, I have a friend who said that, that Kamala Harris should resign and just announce she the should. 2024 and she run should. Right. That would be you know bold. I mean? That would, be, would bold. be bold. I'm like exactly. waiting for bold. Like do that I'm, instead of I'm instead of letting this define you. Do that. Yep. Do yep. that. Even if she loses, even if she's laughed out of whatever she does next, she'll be known as the de- that Democrat who did that thing. Right. Like that Democrat who said, I am not going, I'm not doing this anymore because I believe in black community. I believe that black women in this country deserve better. So let me go ahead and put myself in the ring and see what happens. If she loses, fine. But she will have tried and she will have divested herself from this milk toast nonsense that's coming out from the White House right Ooh, now. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I can't believe this. This is a, uh, this is incredible. 866-801-8255. Um, I want, wanted to um, say the name of Jalen Walker. I want to say that um, in Ohio on Monday in Akron, um, he was in a traffic, uh, he had a traffic violation about 1230 a.m. Monday morning. Uh, According to police, he refused to stop. This is in Akron, Akron police. A chase ensued. uh, And then police said that shots were fired at them from the vehicle that they were pursuing. So they're saying that Jalen Walker fired shots at them. After the chase, his vehicle, they chased him for several minutes. They said that the person slowed down and then attempted to flee on foot and police officers pursued him on foot. And what happened next uh, is what we know. Eight police officers fired 90, nine, zero, nine, zero bullets into this young man, uh, I think he was 25 years old, um, hitting him in his face, in his abdomen, in his upper, I mean, it's 90 bullets. So he, he literally was riddled with bullets, 90 bullets fired, 60 of them hit him. So 30 bullets in a neighborhood. I'm sure that bullets have no name. So you just, y'all just, just emptying eight of 
eight officers, one person. Even if he fired at you, clearly he wasn't firing at you when he was running. 90 bullets in America today. So, yeah, I was just talking with Jeffrey Robinson. He was like, the problem with George Floyd wasn't that we needed to pass a law that police officers making it illegal to put a knee on a person's neck. Clearly, that wasn't the problem. The problem is not that we need to train the police differently. This is not a training issue. This is a humanity issue because you wouldn't shoot Dexter with 90 bullets. If Dexter bit an officer and rent, 90 bullets would not be pumped into a bear, I believe, in this country. No. I don't understand why we don't dismantle, after watching who we are, dismantle policing because it was rooted in enslaved policing black bodies, full stop, period. The modern day police system rooted in doing these things to black bodies. It's time to reimagine what policing looks like. And it should be community policing like the Hasidim. They police themselves. If they call you, you know, they got their own ambulance, their own police. They're going to take handle their own business. If we need backup, we will reach out to you. But you are not to come into our community guns blazing. And it happened one time in New York with Gideon Bush, who was a mentally ill um, Hasidic person who had a hammer and they killed him. But it has not happened since. Yeah, I, I, I am baffled at how you how you shoot a person 60 times. I'm baffled at the mindset of the cops that like, I know that they are racist and they've got this blue line. And then, you know, it's this sort of like testosterone, toxic fueled, you know, situation. But what is going through your mind when you're standing next to seven people just emptying clips into one person? That's that's a sickness. That's a sickness. And I don't. And the other thing I don't understand is, you know, there was the whole discussion about defund the police and how defund the police was a bad slogan. And really, it's not defund the police. It's reform the police and how terrible these activists were because all of these Democrats lost because of defund the police. First of all, that's nonsense. That never happened. Second of all, it's not about slogans. It's not about marketing or messaging. It's about saving black lives. It's about reducing police brutality in our communities. And what continues to baffle me is that I got radicalized about defund the police just in the last three or four years. I started listening more to prison culture on Twitter, you know, Miriam Kaba. Um, I started reading more, thinking more. And it turns out, like, even if you are one of those people who's always going to feel like we need police, and I would urge people to interrogate why it is they think that way, what it is about their background that makes them think that the police are there to protect them, because both The courts have already said that the police have no duty to protect you. So I would ask you why you think you need them. But secondly, if we are giving billions and billions and billions of dollars to police departments, why can't we shave off a couple of million and give it to someone like Mariam Kaba, give it to some of these police and prison abolitionists and see what they come up with? So many people are so willing to just say, we can't defund the police, it'll never work. It's insane. Without ever even giving it a try. We've pumped so much money for so many decades into police that is not working. Why wouldn't we want to at least give somebody else with a different idea, the resources to try something different? I, I couldn't, agree I don't more. understand that. Listen. Um, and, and if you have contact with her, please leave it for me. Cause I'd love to invite her on. I think the conversation should be had, not just yeah. had, we should investigate because when we call the police, things bad things happen more often than not and you know this is just yet another example Abadou Diallo was my first um 
uh, recognition that there was something inherently wrong, and that was 30 bullets. And then it was Sean Bell, and it was Patrick Dorsman. I was like, how many bullets? Laquan McDonald, how many times you have to shoot somebody? How many times yeah. you have to, if, even if you feel threatened, says something about you. It's depraved, as you said. Uh, let's take Tim in Texas who wants to, uh, I guess, push back a little bit on the voting. Um, Tim, welcome. Hi. Yeah. Hey, Miss Hunter. How are you? Thanks for everything y'all do. Hi, Miss Gandy. Listen, I just wanted to uh, uh, talk about a little bit about how our young people, now I'm 51. <laughs> I consider myself young. But, I mean, I'm talking about our 20s and our 30s, our next generation. They are being pulled, pulled to the left, all the way. I mean, all the way to the left. Like, I went to the road rally on Friday. And the first time I ever marched in my life was during the separation of children. Then I marched for George Floyd, and I got up and went down there Friday for the road rally. And I'm always seeing... Very left, far-wing socialist party. They're there. They're loud. And guess what? They are allies. I understand that. And that's what the young people are looking for the Democrats to do, to be loud, to fight. And, you know, they're being pulled that way. And they're sitting there saying, we're not voting blue, no blue, no blue. We're not voting blue no matter what. Screaming Beto and York down. And, um, you know, so my thing is that the same thing that's happening on the right where they pulling those, you know, those whatever ideas they got, they pulling them young men there. And yeah. I want our people, Democrats, black folks, left, we need to understand that as mad as you are, we got to vote with the parties that can control, take power. That's yeah. all I wanted to say, Ms. Well, Tim, thank you for your uh, call. Appreciate you. Uh, you're not wrong, but I don't know how we reach them. I quite frankly don't. I mean, I think one of the best ways to reach them would be for Democrats to show some fire. I mean, this young generation, this is a generation that grew up on Twitter and TikTok. It's a generation, and I don't mean shade to young people, a generation of trolls, right? So if Joe Biden were to start trolling the Republican Party, I think they would get a lot of response from young folks. And I do mean by saying something like, I'm going to send every Black person $20 a month until Republicans get it together. I mean, you know, and I don't think this is something that an 80-year-old Joe Biden's going to do. But we got to start passing the passing the baton to younger folks who have more fire. I think Ayanna Presley, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, these folks have a lot of fire in them. And I just I'm, I'm concerned that the sort of gerontocracy, these old folks don't have that fire that we need. There's a like a, a Twitter account for a, a river or an, I think it's a national park that's been trolling the hell out of oh, Lake Superior. Lake Superior. <laughs> I'm like, whoever's yeah. manning Lake Superior. That's the answer. That's the right. answer. Yo, that's the answer. It's word of hope. Last word. You got any hope? Um, well, you know, my my wheelhouse is abortion rights. So when it comes to bodily autonomy, the fact that Roe versus Wade was overturned was horrible and it's going to be tragic and it's going to lead to a lot of problems and a lot of people are going to be harmed. But it was a bad decision and it wasn't grounded in, in equal rights and equal protection and human rights. So I think that those of us who are down for that fight can build something better, can build something that's grounded in justice and human rights, and that will treat Black women with the respect in this country that we deserve. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.